I just finished looking at some pictures of Jesus. In many of those pictures, he's Caucasian, blue-eyed, with wavy hair, a rosy glow on his cheeks, and a slight smile. Honestly, in my opinion, in these pictures, he looks altogether docile and, and weak and passive. Our Family Disciple Me verse and discipleship conversation this week challenges us to look to Jesus. But which picture of him do we look at? To be quite truthful, I have no interest in looking to a Jesus like those pictures. What about you? When you hear this phrase, look to Jesus, what picture are you looking at? If you'll join me, I'd like to share how scripture says to look to Jesus. This is a most important discipleship conversation. So let's cue the intro and see what we can see. What truth are we speaking into the next generation? What legacy are we creating for those we care about? Are we making a difference so that our kids will know Jesus? Hi, my name is Tasha Williams, and the answers to these questions really matter to me. And if you're a Christ follower, I'm sure they matter to you too. I'm the founder of the Family Disciple Me Ministry, and we are convinced that there's power in our Jesus stories, that God's Word is life-changing, and that discipleship doesn't have to be intimidating. So join us as we talk about faith, scripture, relevant topics, intentional discipleship, and the next generation. Friends, it starts with a conversation. So let's get going on this podcast right now. Friends, thank you for joining me in this podcast. You know, except for the very first podcast, I must say this particular podcast is probably the most intimidating podcast I've done. Not because making the podcast itself is so intimidating anymore, but because of the topic. Because the topic in this podcast is about Jesus. Where do paltry words even begin to approach a conversation this big? That's the way I feel about this podcast, but also I think that's the way we feel in general when it comes to sharing Jesus with others. We call ourselves Christians, Christ followers. We've given our lives to Him. But what does it mean to look to Him? I'll be the first to say, I'm not a fan of Jesus art. Now, if you're an artist who's drawn some pictures and artistry of what he looks like, please forgive me for this opinion. And forgive me if you were raised in the tradition of having Jesus pictures hanging on your walls at home. I don't mean this to be rude, but for me, I find pictures of Jesus almost entirely disconcerting. I mean, Have you Googled pictures of Jesus on the internet lately? There are thousands of images. And recently, I scrolled through as many of those as I could stomach. Light brown hair, Caucasian skin, neatly trimmed mustache and beard, some sort of angelic halo, eyes like the skies staring into the distance. Looking to Jesus like this fills me with a sort of nausea, or even worse than that, an aversion. I look to those pictures and I think, that's not the Jesus I know. Or worse, that's not the Jesus I even want to know. 
And yet, this week's Family Disciple Me conversation and verse calls us to look to Jesus. This is part of our 2020 Vision Check series, sort of a reset in what we are setting our eyes on as we live through this difficult year. Scripture says, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Scripture challenges us in these words in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Indeed, it calls us to look to Jesus as we run our race of faith. And while I doubt too many of us take that literally and start sorting through pictures we want to hang on the walls of our homes, I do think that the challenge may at first be a little ambiguous in our understanding of it. What does it mean to look to Jesus? What does it mean to look to somebody whom our eyes cannot see right now? What does it mean to look to somebody we've never personally met or touched or been around? What does it mean to look and see somebody who isn't just another human, but whom we're told is the God of the universe, our creator, the one who holds everything in the balance of his hands? How do we see him? Scripture teaches us that looking to Jesus starts with looking in his word. In the first chapter of the Gospel of John, John wrote, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. And then John begins to share in his gospel what he saw in what has become one of the most well-known books of the Bible. John was saying, I saw Jesus. I looked at him. And let me tell you what he looked like. And really, this is the story of the whole Bible. I saw the Lord. Isaiah saw him. Moses saw him. Daniel saw him. The prophets saw him. The priests saw him. The story of scripture is the story of people encountering God, each in their own ways, seasons, times, and then turning around and sharing their story so that others could see the Lord too. Have you ever had one of those moments where you spotted something interesting and you took a young child by the face and gently turned them in the direction of that something, something so they could see it too? You know, in this sometimes wild Colorado place where I live, sometimes my husband will do that for me. He'll take my gaze and help me see what he sees in the distance, a bird or a beaver or a bear. God's word is like that gentle hand. Look here. Look here. That great cloud of witnesses in scripture. These are the voices saying, I saw the Lord here and here and there. They point us to the Lord, and when we fix our eyes to where they are pointing us, we can see Jesus too. We can see Jesus as the great rabbi and teacher as we watch him in the Sermon on the Mount. We can see Jesus as the provider when he turns the fishes and loaves into bread for a hungry crowd. We can see Jesus 
as the healer when he goes into Peter's house and heals his mother-in-law with just a touch. We can see Jesus as the friend of everybody when he eats dinner with the one society called the sinners and the tax collectors. We can see Jesus as the author and beginner of discipleship when he calls 12 men to walk with him, watch him, and serve with him. And friend, these examples that I've just given, these are just a few we can see from the book of Matthew. In every book of the Bible, we can look and see Jesus. And yes, let me just say, we can even see him in the Old Testament, for Jesus himself said that even Moses wrote about him. My favorite Bible story, in fact, my favorite moment in biblical history, is the story that Luke told about what happened on the road to Emmaus after Jesus' crucifixion and burial. Luke tells the story of how an unidentified man walked with two of Jesus' heartbroken disciples. They were returning from everything that had happened in Jerusalem when Jesus was tried and crucified and buried, and these disciples were devastated. But then this stranger shows up on the path with them and begins walking with them. Scripture says their eyes were kept from recognizing him, but Luke tells us, the reader, that this unidentified stranger was actually Jesus. And he wrote, Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. When they reached the end of the road, Jesus made turn to go on ahead and continue walking, but the two travelers wanted him to linger. They wanted to spend more time with him, so they invited him to stay for dinner. As they sat down to eat, they asked him to pray and bless their food. And when he prayed, they immediately recognized him. Scripture says, and their eyes were opened and they recognized him. But in that very moment, he disappeared from their physical sight. The two said, didn't our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened scriptures to us? With this, they immediately got up and returned to Jerusalem and the disciples, and they told them, we saw the Lord. And that's the way I feel. My heart burns within me because I have seen the Lord. I've not seen him with my physical eyes, but I have seen him with my spiritual eyes. As scriptures have been opened to me, like for the disciples on the road to Emmaus, I have felt my heart burn within me. I have seen the Lord. Jesus prayed for just this very thing. Before his cross, he prayed for those disciples with him, and he also prayed for you and I. Listen to his words. He said, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. This is us, by the way, friends. Father, he prayed, I desire that they also, whom you've given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory. Friend, I testify to you that I have seen glimpses of his glory. I've had a front row view of his power and his working. In 27 years of ministry as an adult, I have witnessed his faithfulness over and over and over. 
In over 50 times of reading through his word, I have heard him speak loudly and clearly. I've encountered God moments. I have felt his love when my heart was dying within me. I have felt his strength when I had nothing left. I've encountered the ministry of his spirit picking up my shattered pieces. I've heard the whispers of his love, love that he gave me before I ever gave my love to him. My Jesus is beautiful. He is glorious. He is faithful and true. He does not lie. He doesn't deceive. He is holy. He is powerful. He is redeemer and savior. He is the founder and perfecter of our faith. He ran the race before me to show me how to run this race. He's called me to, to endure my cross, to despise the shame and the ridicule of those who cannot yet see past those Google images of him, and to focus on joy, the joy of knowing him and seeing him. God's word says over and over, seek me. And you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. Friend, that's not an abstract promise. That's not a man-made picture. That's not just a piece of wishful thinking. God wants us to look to him. For me personally, to look to Jesus, I cherish getting up early as many days as I can to spend time in his presence. That means to have my Bible with me, sometimes my journal. That means to have my heart prepared to encounter his presence. And I'll know when I have, because when I have encountered him, my heart burns within me. And oh, when I encounter him, I want others to see my beautiful Jesus too. I want you to encounter him. I want those entrusted to me to encounter him. I can't force my children to look to Jesus, but I can disciple them for where to see him. Like a parent gently turns a child's eyes to see, or like my husband takes my face and turns it in the direction to see the bear or the bird, I can point my children's gaze in Jesus' direction so that they may look to him too. You can do that with those entrusted to you. You can seek him and then speak him. God's word gives us the pictures of Jesus. And then our lives, our stories, our experiences become the pictures that introduce other people so that they can look to Jesus too. Oh, friend, may we live this life of running our race and looking to Jesus today. Thank you for joining me in this podcast. The discipleship conversation that goes along with this episode can be found in the show notes. You can also go to familydiscipleme.org. I'm also going to reference the verses that I referred to in this episode in the show notes as well. As you look to Jesus, listen to these words because it's a prayer for Him to look to you. The blessing says, now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He turn His countenance toward you. And as He looks to you, and you look to Him, may He give you peace. Go with God, my friend. Look to Him and be a picture of Him to others today.